Amen. Amen. Thank you, Badia family. You can, uh, everybody's seated already. That's cool. Uh, well, welcome. My name is Pastor Mike. Uh, it's a pleasure and blessing to serve you. Um, for those of you that weren't at the uh, Christmas party last night, we announced that every year uh, Bellflower uh, holds the Bravo Awards. And the Bravo <laughs> Awards are uh, people that uh, are honored each and every year in our community that uh, does special acts of valor or stands out in outstanding service. And we were able to uh, uh, announce at our Christmas party that uh, we have a 2020 recipient of a Bravo Award as a part of our family here in Bellflower. And uh, so uh, Nicole had nominated Milt Gilman for his 30 years of driving the bus down a Eucalyptus Street. Uh, if you don't know, Eucalyptus Street used to be blocked off on one end of the street because of such gang violence and drugs, uh, the drive-bys were so bad that, that, that they had actually put barriers and barricades on one end of that street. And, and Milt used to drive that bus in there. All gang activities stopped when Milt drove in. The kids would go up. He would back out the whole way, right, and, and bring the kids here for a, a bit of time to, to meet with Jesus and have a good time and get off the block. And uh, if you go there today and you look at Eucalyptus Street, uh, Eucalyptus Street, it doesn't look like that anymore. And I believe it is a direct result of the ministry that we have been taking and bringing to that, to that street uh, that has been led by Milt for over 30 years driving that bus. Amen. So let's give him a round of applause. <clears throat> yeah. And on February 6th, they're going to honor him at the Bravo Awards here at, at City Hall. But Eucalyptus Street Ministry, uh, our Eucalyptus Night is going to be accompanied by a Hollywood film crew. They're going to film everything that's going to go on that night and how we're going to go out there and bless the community. So, so everybody come and be, let's be a part of that. And let's show our community that we are in the city and we are for this city. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So if you have your Bible, open them up to Luke chapter 1. If you need a Bible, there's one underneath you, uh, or you could open up your phone. We're going to be pr uh, primarily in Luke chapter 1 today. Uh, uh, several years ago, CeeLo Green, anybody know who CeeLo Green is? Right? The, yeah, YouTube sensation becomes a, 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 a gazillionaire because of his music. Well, well he uh, partnered with the Muppets to co-perform a Christmas, call, a Christmas song called All You Need Is Love. And in true Muppet form, it's full action and humor with all the favorites showed up. Like Kermit was there, Fozzie, Miss Piggy, Gonzo, and all the chickens, and everybody else was there too. Uh, there was plenty of bling. If you know CeeLo, there's plenty of bling, right? CeeLo Green is, is about the bling. And uh, they talked about uh, the whole, they started singing, they talked about all the presents that they were going to get, all the fancy things that they wanted and, and, and were going to get for Christmas and all the latest gadgets. But ironically, at its core, the song captured the true Christian or Christmas message the Muppets and CeeLo ended the song by saying, we don't want all that stuff. We don't need all that stuff. All we really need this Christmas is love. Now, now, I'm quite sure that the Muppets never set out to make some grand theological statement. I'm not trying to say that. But this is actually what uh, we are celebrating this second Advent season. That the song captures the truth that all we really need, family, is love. But whose love? 
What kind of love? And today we celebrate together the second Sunday of Advent and the journey of God with us, and we are celebrating love. When Jesus came into the world as a baby, he was the human embodiment of God's gift of love to his church. When he came as Emmanuel, God with us, he came as God incarnate, God in the flesh. He came as love incarnate, love in the flesh. If you weren't here the last week or, or you don't know uh, really what Advent means, I want to explain it briefly to you. The word Advent means coming or arrival. It is a season marked by expectation, waiting, anticipation, and longing. Advent is not just an extension of Christmas. It's the season that links the past to the present and to the future. Advent looks back in celebration at the hope uh, fulfilled by Jesus' first coming. That, this was, that Jesus is God's promised Messiah and he came. And we look back in Advent and we celebrate that he came. We look presently today in our culture and, and we see we're going to, on the, on the 18th of January, we're going to be able to have baptisms. And so God is coming with us today that God is regenerating the hearts of, of, of unbelievers and causing them to be believers. And Jesus is coming to live inside of people even today. So we are, in, are living in anticipation of that, that we in this means of grace, that we live in this moment of grace where God is saving people, coming into the lives of people. And then we look forward to, to Christ's return where he promises to fulfill, to come back and to lead his church, build his kingdom, and he will return for his people. And each week we focus on a different attribute in Advent of God, uh, what God represents in his coming. And, and so we look at hope, love, joy, and peace. And we look at these factors and we press into them and how these things matter and why these things should matter to us. And so we've talked about CeeLo Green and the Muppets and, and the love song today. Let's talk about a love story. Could you imagine the power if you could harness all of the created energy that has been devoted to writing love songs and love stories throughout history? Can you imagine that? It's this, it seems like throughout our entire history that, it is, that, that love has been what has inspired and moved and even confused and, and intrigued people and motivated people. I mean, we've, we, we're always trying to understand love more. We're always, we're kind of confused by it. We're sad without it. We'll even fight for it. And, and in many aspects, we'll look for it for in all the wrong places, won't we? Actually, they made a song about that, right? I won't try to sing it because, yay, <laughs> happy, happy, happy. Maybe, maybe because we're, we're constantly trying to wrap our minds around this love thing, or, or even worse, you might be even here today and you go, I avoid love altogether because love has been a source of pain for me. Love has always been, every time I've sought love in even all the wrong places, it's let me down. But maybe because this, this, this love thing is so attractive to us, it tells us something about ourselves. That there's a, a, a reflection of our origin. There's a reflection of our creator. There's, it, because it's part of the deepest part of our longing. You see, the truth is this, is that God's love is wo woven through our, our very creation, our very existence, and our very being. But have you ever thought of this? 
in this season. Have you ever thought of the story of Mary and Joseph as a love story? Nobody ever really looks at it. I never really even looked at it until I studied this this, this, this last week as a, as a real love story. Many of you know the Christmas story. You've probably heard it many times before. But think about Mary and Joseph as a love story. Imagine for a moment and place yourself back into that small village called Nazareth where, where the young carpenter named Joseph lives. He's from noble ancestry. Uh, he's a distant relative to the King David. But he lives this humble life working with his hands as a carpenter. He probably learned how to build things from his dad, who, who was most likely a carpenter himself. Joseph had probably been working long enough to establish himself as an honorable person in his culture and, and, and a fairly successful craftsman. And this would have made him like an eligible bachelor at his time. He would have been about 20 years old and single, but still making a living for himself. And so he becomes this eligible bachelor. He was a man who was ready to marry and establish his, his own family. And so no doubt there's young girls in the village, more likely even their fathers too, that had their eye upon Dave, on, on Joseph. They were looking at him as a, as a responsible person in the community. And, and maybe that would be a good uh, a husband for my daughters. Now you have to remember in the Jewish culture, marriage traditions from in their days are much, much different than our days. There was, they took place in four stages. First, there was a contract, which led to the second stage was a, a betrothal. And then they, they went to consummate their marriage. And then there was a wedding, a wedding feast. So first, this is how it would play out. That Mary's father would go, uh, would go to Joseph and, and propose and arrange the marriage. And, and there would be a cash price paid. Uh, a dowry would be set for Joseph to pay to Mary's family for Mary. Uh, maybe some gifts would come along with that. And then this contract would be signed. At this point, Joseph and Mary would be married. They would be, at this point, husband and wife. They move into the betrothal. It, this time is where the couple gets to know each other. This is kind of like the dating scene minus the, the, the dinner and movies, right? And so, so they're actually dating and getting to know each other through this betrothal. During this time, about a year, Mary would still live with her family. Uh, when, it was, when the year was up, it would be customary for Joseph to, to take a, a, his family and his friends to Mary's house, where, where Mary, Mary's family and Mary's friends would be waiting for them too. And then there they, they would wait, they would, they would meet there. Uh, Mary and Joseph would actually leave while the families, the two families mingled and met, and they would go consummate their marriage. Basically, that means the two would become one flesh. We'll keep that PG, right? They would consummate their marriage, and then, and then afterwards, the final stage of this would be that they would have this wedding feast where both of the families and all the friends would celebrate what God is doing in this life, and then they'd live happily ever after. That is what it means. It doesn't sound, it sounds kind of like it could be romantic, but some of you are like, that doesn't seem romantic at all. Like, where's the walks on the beach? Where's the, where, you know, where's all the, where's the romance? Here's what I would say. Just because uh, 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 traditions are different doesn't mean that there was not love really kindling here. That there wasn't like, like this love beginning and growing and even flowing through Mary and Joseph's life. Just imagine it for a minute. The, uh, the betrothal was signed, the nervousness of getting to know each other. I'm certain that Mary probably uh, took some time after this betrothal to, to get to know each other. Mary and Joseph get to know each other. 
Perhaps Mary would go to the, the workshop where, where, where Joseph worked. Maybe she liked to do that and watch him uh, form things and craft things and, and make things for, for the people in the, in the town. Perhaps she would come and, 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 and take uh, some lunch to him or something. Have you ever done that? I'm sure she's much like us, or they're both much like us, that, that, that they spent hours and hours talking, getting to know each other, laughing, learning what makes people, each other laugh. Maybe they experienced hardships together during that year, and, and, and they, so they, they've learned some of how they deal with things together. Maybe they learned uh, what ticks them off, what makes them mad, what makes them angry. I'm certain that they knew each other and, and this love is beginning to grow together. Like the rest of us, they would have, they would have uh, <clears throat> had no way of knowing what they would truly face in their journey as husband and wife, but the excitement and the nervousness filled their hearts. It had to have because men and women are, are, are much like the same today. Our emotions and, and our love and our, and our excitement and all those things are, are still the same today as it was in their day. I'm sure they, they, they shared their hopes and their fears and their dreams for the future. Perhaps they talk about how many children they were hoped to have one day or what kind of home Joseph would build for them and their future family and how long, uh, uh, <laughs> and I bet they would long for the day that they could, comp, uh, comp, uh, they could become one flesh. And then the direction of their lives would change forever. Let's pick up the story in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And, I, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. Now, this love story is stirring and they're getting to know each other and, and they're excited about what's going to happen. And then the biggest twist in this whole story is this. And imagine the scene. Mary is pregnant. She knows, she knows deep in her heart she didn't do anything wrong and this is just happening to her and there's something supernatural happening to her, yet she is pregnant nonetheless. Yet she's betrothed to Joseph and Joseph is not the father of her baby. Can you imagine this scenario on this day? This would be scandalous in our day. Can you imagine uh, in a day that where, not, where everything did not go? <laughs> like today's day and age, everything goes. Anything goes. You can do what you want. This is pretty common in our day. But can you imagine in Mary's day where, where they live in a anything does not go society and abide by God's rule society? 
Could you imagine the bombshell that goes off in, in Joseph's heart when he hears the news that she's pregnant? Uh, Joseph, um, I'm pregnant. But you don't, it, it's the Holy Spirit. Sure. Right. Uh, are you kidding me? We, we spent time together. You came over to my shop. We've talked for hours and hours and we've dreamed and we've talked about children. We've talked about our home. We've talked about our plans. We've talked about our fears together. I've shared some intimate stuff with you and now you're pregnant? Sure. Oh, it's a miracle. It's not a miracle. Adultery is not a miracle. How would you respond? If you were in Joseph's sandals, how would you respond? If you've ever experienced the betrayal of adultery or been close to someone who has, you know that, that, that the devastation of betrayal, the pain of, of adultery is visceral. It's physical. It's like your heart is getting ripped out of your chest. And this must have been what Joseph felt when Mary came to him with the news. Listen in Matthew's gospel how he describes Joseph's response. Now the birth of Christ took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to, G to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And listen, this is Joseph's response. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Stop and think about this for a minute. Joseph is here in this situation. They have been getting to know each other all this time. And, and he was dreaming too. And, and his love was being kindled too. And then this comes in. How would you feel? Would you feel betrayed? Would you feel humiliated? Embarrassed, uh, angry, jealous, all those things. It had to be part of what I, 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 th I find it difficult to, to uh, envision Joseph like being stoic, that like these emotions, emotions never entered in his heart because he was just like you and I, a working man, blue collar guy, hopes and dreams. So what did he do? What could he do? Matthew tells us that Joseph thought about the matter and then he resolved to do what was best for both of them. This says a lot about Joseph and the guy who he was. He wanted the best for both of them. He couldn't live with her because of the betrayal, but he didn't want to put her to shame. Joseph had every right to take her before the courts, have her tried, convicted, and possibly stoned for her uh, uh, betrayal. And so if you have never seen this as a love story, you have to see this because it was love that caused him to, to not put her to public disgrace. Joseph didn't want to put, he wanted to divorce her quietly because why? He loved her. Joseph loved Mary. You're probably thinking, man, I thought this was a love story, Pastor Mike. This is turning out pretty bad. We're getting there. Stay with me for a minute. The Apostle John writes this about God. He says, so we have come to know and believe the love of God, the, the love that God has for us. And listen to what he says about God here. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. 
This is the very nature of God. God is love in its purest form. Love is, was at the center of God's creative forces when he created the universe. Love was at the center when he formed us into his image to have a relationship with him. Love was even there when, when, the, when the world fell into sin and rebellion. Love was there despite the catastrophic consequences of the, the, the fall of humanity. Last week, we talked about the, the covenant that God made with Abraham. The love forged the covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Love continually led the Israelites through triumph and imprisonment and exile. And as we, we, we survey the Old Testament, that God's love is behind everything he did for his people. And God's love would be with Mary and Joseph to care for them and provide for them everything they would need, especially in this moment. And so the story continues. Mary would, would, would journey to her cousin's house. We talked about Elizabeth and Zechariah last week. The, the walk must have been lonely with, with miles and miles underneath her feet with her brain stirring around what is all going on. Can you imagine being this little girl? She, she's most likely around 14 years old and all this is happening. Think about your 14 year old or when your kid was 14 year old. Do you think that this would have been like a bombshell? How would they have handled it? I mean, they can't even handle their cell phones half the time, right? And they can, this is going on. No doubt Mary would have thought about the pain and the hurt that was going on in Joseph's heart. What is he thinking about me? Is he ever going to believe me? Is he ever going to come to real, a real understanding of what's really happening here? Like, again, Mary knows she didn't do anything wrong. Like, this is happening because God chose her. Will she have to raise this baby alone? What's going to, how are people going to perceive her? Will she be shunned in the society as a whore? With a scarlet letter? All these things would have been going on in her mind, no doubt. But as soon as Mary arrived, she was greeted with the gift of God's love. Look at me in Luke chapter 1, verse 42. It says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. Elizabeth exclaimed. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me as soon as the sound of your greeting reaches my ears? My, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. <laughs> God's love is manifested in and through Elizabeth. And could you imagine her re relief? Immediately, Elizabeth, who's carrying a miracle child of her own, uh, confirmed that Mary is, is being loved by God right here. That, no, you're blessed. This situation you're in right now is not a curse. It's a blessing, Mary. And you're carrying my Lord and oh, it's such an honor to just be in the presence of you. God is here. God is with you. God's love is here. Not only is God with you, Mary, God is in you. The embodiment of God's love is being formed in your womb. And Mary's response is just as overwhelming. Look at what she said. 
My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. The relief, do you hear it? Her worry, her, her, her doubt, her unbelief, her, her concern, her, all the stuff that's going on is kindled by this blessing that was given to her by her aunt. God provided the love she needed through another person who understood her and supported her. Isn't this how God works? This is how God often works. This is how God's love works through other people like you and I. The Bible says, and the hope that does not put us to shame uh, because God's, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love is poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, God has filled you, if you're a Christian, God has filled you with the spirit of God to love others. And this is what, as we walk in his love, God knows just what we need and he brings us the support from other people, from the Holy Spirit and from other people in the church. I'm asked this question, in your time of crisis or in your time of need, how often has God been faithful to send you the right person at the right time? Yeah, isn't that right? And we could point back to that and go, yep, yep, God, you, you were faithful. It was despair. It was like, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't even, or maybe you're going through that right now and someone has come into your life and they gave you a word from the Lord. It's going to be okay. God is with us. His love is with us. And he's loving you in this tangible way. For Mary, God used Elizabeth to give her the love she needed and at the perfect time. In Joseph's, in Joseph's case, his needs were a little bit different. You go back to Nazareth and, and he's in his pain and in his confusion. He has already decided to, to divorce his wife quietly. The pain was too much. He, he, he couldn't believe what had happened. While he could legally take her to the court and have her stoned, that's not what he wanted to do because he loved her. But he couldn't bear to live with her because of this, this betrayal. So he chose to divorce her quietly so that he didn't have to make a public disgrace of her because he loved her. And then that's when this supernatural love story, uh, God comes in and gives Joseph exactly what he needed. So God sends him an angel with a message. Listen to what it says. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So she will give birth to a son and you will give him the, the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Notice here that God knew exactly what uh, Joseph's, uh, he, he just addresses exactly like what, what is going on in Joseph's heart. Joseph was afraid. He was afraid of what would happen to him and his reputation. He was afraid of what was going on. And so he says, do not be afraid, Joseph. God gave Joseph the reassurance he needed to trust Mary and to love her and ultimately trust God and to, and, and to love him. That he is going to make a way through this crazy story. This crazy love story. The Bible says this, when Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and he took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Joseph chose love and trust even though the law told him that he can do otherwise. 
Everything natural told him to go otherwise. It's, listen to this family, it's a beautiful picture, a reflection of God's own choice to love and to foster a relationship with us, with you and I. Even though our sins mean death and separation from this holy and perfect God, in his love he chose us. He chose to be with us, he chose to come to us at the cost of his son, Jesus Christ. John tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We deserved death, but God gives us life. And he does this, and he's motivated to do this. He's motivated to send us Jesus out of love. It was love that motivated God to send Jesus to the earth. We deserved wrath because of our sin. The love of God with us, this this perfect love in human form is what we celebrate this Christmas season. It's the exact love that we need. It's a sacrificial love. It's not like I love cookies. It's I love you that I'm willing to lay my life down for you and ransom myself for you. And if that's not enough, that this love is eternal. It's like everlasting Love for cookies goes away just as soon as you eat them. And then there's regret. There's no regret in perfect love. And his love is eternal. It's never ending. It'll never stop. And God will never stop demonstrating his love for you in tangible ways, both in your daily life and in history-changing events like Christ's birth. Eventually, all things that we know will come to an end at some point, the good, the bad, and life itself. But God's love will never end. I have the blessing of of being able to serve some of those who are are, uh, getting up there in in, in age where they have more more life in the rearview mirror than they do in the looking forward. You know, the 90-year-old people in the church are not making a lot of plans. Their plans are like Jesus. Their plans are eternity. And it's interesting, if you, if you want to just read the second half of Romans 8 about a future glory, it talks about the, that, 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 that our bodies will be groaning and, and, and we won't even know what to pray for. So the Spirit will just pray for us on our behalf. And Paul writes this beautiful letter to us saying, and it's going to increase like pangs of childbirth. And and what happens at childbirth? The pains grow increasingly closer and closer and closer and closer together, don't they? And it's horrible, according to women. I have no idea. (laughs) It's not fun. Give me drugs. I, you know, it's just not fun. But a, a woman will endure the pains of childbirth. And why? Because there's new life at the end of that. There's new life. Some of you women will say, I'll do it again and I'll do it again and I'll do it again because they, the, the life is precious. And we endure knowing that God's love is eternal. That as the pains, uh, I, 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 I encourage even the older folks that are, are dealing with some of their own ailments today that these pains that are growing increasingly, increasingly more should lead you to a place of rejoicing because it's going to lead you to the new life in Christ. 
And so we have an advent of anticipation awaiting what is to come in Christ. And so though it's sad, we don't want to see our people leave us, right? But this is the reality of all of us. And it is a love that uh, motive, God is motive, God's love is what's motivating himself to establish a new life for us in his kingdom. Where there is no more sin, no more death, no more sorrow, no more pains, no more cancer, no more falls. Isn't that good news? It's what Paul was reminding us in Romans 8. Listen to this. He says this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor, nor angels nor demons nor, nor neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the what? The love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the most beautiful gift that God can give you. This is his love story to you. Like any good love story, like, like that God writes, Mary and Joseph's love story didn't end with themselves. It was built upon this foundation of God's perfect supernatural love and they trusted and followed him on this crazy adventure unlike anyone else in history. And they had opened their hearts to God's love and allowed, him, allowed it to flow through them so that we can experience this love too. So that we can be blessed by this. Mary and Joseph were in it together, the long journey to Bethlehem, the seemingly desperate night when Mary was about to give birth with no place to rest. So they end up going into a stable. Imagine the birth and the first cry of the Son of God. Mary is carrying God incarnate, love incarnate in her hands. And the joy of, of, of the people that would come to visit from the shepherds to the wise man. Last year we talked about Simeon and Anna. These were prophets in the temple who recognized their savior in the form of this tiny little baby. God was with us. His love was offered through the world. And they were acknowledging that they had chose to live with open hands, trusting in and living out the miraculous love of Christ that has been given to them. In this Advent season, we have the opportunity to reflect the same love. Jesus taught us this, a new commandment that I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The ability to do so is, is really as we open ourselves up to God's love. Because again, this isn't a love like a love for cookies. This is a love that, that was willing to give up his throne in heaven and come down here to take on flesh, to be tempted in every way but be obedient to God, living in the fullness of the spirit of God, loving and sacrificing and caring and giving of himself. Jesus never once asked for anything of himself. Are we willing to love like that? Are we willing to let love flow out of us like that this Advent season? Are we willing to, to love, like Jesus was a friend of sinners. Are we a friend of sinners? Would we, our lives be marked as friends of sinners? Do the people that God has placed around our life know us as instruments of grace and love and mercy? Or is it just condemnation, judgment, hate, and separation? You see, loving your neighbor is more than just being civil. 
Loving your neighbor like Christ is about sacrificial love. It's about God coming with us, us going to them. Like if you are the body of Christ, if you are the embodiment of Jesus Christ, which you are if you're a Christian today, how are you becoming the advent into people's lives that don't know Jesus? Is Jesus coming when you're going to work? Is Jesus coming when you're going into the grocery store? Is Jesus' spirit coming when you're coming into church? When, when, is is Jesus' spirit coming when you guys are going out on the streets? Is Jesus coming when you're in your bedrooms? Is Jesus coming when you're in your house? Is Jesus coming into the lives of the people because you're bringing Jesus? That the advent of Jesus is coming with you? And that his love is just pouring out of you? This is God. This is what God is saying. He wants us. He wants us to, like, God's love is, is, he wants us to trust and know his love, that his love holds us, and that just like Mary and Joseph, God is calling every Christian to live with open hands, trusting in and living out the miraculous love that he has given, given to you. And so we have a real responsibility to love one another like God loved us. I'll close with the Apostle John's words. Dear friends, he's speaking to us. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Do you see that? Do you see the connection? That you need to be the conduit of atonement in people's lives. You see, God loved you and forgave all your sins. How are you doing in that lane by forgiving other people's sins? How are you doing? How are you conveying God's love and giving people the grace that they don't deserve like God loved you and gave you the grace that you don't deserve? Friends, friends, love God. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and he loves and his love is made complete in us. Is this love pouring out of your hearts? And if not, I, you know, whatever season you're in right now, I, 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 I'm trusting that God will even make a way. I'm certain that Joseph didn't have a lot of love for people in, in that moment. I'm sure that Mary was just confused and, and, and didn't focus on anybody, but the moment, the, the thing at hand, maybe, maybe whatever you're seizing right now, God works his love in and through that and let God, that become an overflow in your life so that it pours out to others. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that uh, you came and that you were the demonstration of God's love for us. The Apostle Paul writes, Lord, that you demonstrated your love for us by sending us Jesus to die for us. And Jesus, the cross is enough to know that the Father loves us. May we fully just immerse ourselves in uh, just the depth and the gravity of all of that. And Holy Spirit, will you come into our hearts and will you, God, convict our hearts of 
uh, not loving as we ought to and, and empower us to love as we ought to. Jesus, our desire is to love like you loved, unconditional. And so help us in our relationships, help us to embrace that love for ourselves and be filled with it and rejoice over it and, be, and just be overwhelmed with it and, and, and that it will overflow uh, out of our own hearts. That in spite of everything that, our, that we've made of our lives, you still chose to love us and pour your grace out upon us. And let that be an overflow into the people that you've placed in our lives that need to know the love of Jesus. Let this not just be another Christmas, Lord. Let this be a place where grace and mercy wins, where the love of God is honored and poured out upon this city. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.